You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Okay. Now, the last three weeks, um, or even more, we have been covering the Holy Spirit, my blank, right? And um, today I'm talking about Holy Spirit, my advocate. Now, you may recall about three weeks ago, James spoke about this topic before, right? My advocate, right? And he talks about the French word avocat. And avocado can in French could mean a lawyer, advocate, or actually an avocado, right? So you walk into the supermarket and you ask for an avocado, and you go like, "What? What do you want? Do you want a lawyer or do you want an avocado?" Um, and that's essentially um, what you know. Um, not everything that he covered, but obviously he has covered some of it. And here I'm just going to go through a few things. But then again, I thought, well. Since we're on the topic of avocado, I'll throw in some avocado puns, all right? So what did the avocado half say to the other avocado half? Without you, I'm empty inside. Oh, right? Dead jokes. All right, how do tortilla chips say goodbye? See you later, avocado. In a while, guacadal. <laughs> Oh no, no, don't continue. Last one, alright? Last one. Can you just bear with the last one? No? Okay. Alright, that's okay. We'll continue on. I'll have a st- I have another um, story that I want to share. There was a little old lady whom every morning stepped onto her front porch. She raised her arms to the sky and she would shout, Praise the Lord. And one day, a man moved into the house next door. He became irritated at the little old lady. Every morning, he'll step onto his front porch after her and yell, There is no Lord! Time passed with the two of them carrying on this way every day. One morning in the middle of winter, the little old lady stepped out onto her front porch and shouted, Praise the Lord! Please, Lord, I have no food and I'm starving. Provide for me, O Lord. The next morning, she stepped out onto her porch and there were two huge bags of groceries sitting there. And she shouted, Praise the Lord, He has provided groceries for me. The neighbor jumped out of the um, bushes and shouted, There is no Lord, I bought the groceries. And this little old lady threw her arms in the air and shouted, Praise the Lord, He has provided for me groceries and He has made the devil pay for it. (laughs) Not a good story, but oh, oh. We all love everyone here, okay? Just to say that. They're not labeling anyone, right? <laughs> both ways, both parties are wrong. <laughs> but what do you do when you face challenging times? What do you do when there is no way out? When the future seems uncertain? Right? This is the passage we'll be exploring today. The disciples felt that same way that we would have felt in living in times of uncertainty. So let's go to the passage, John chapter 14, verse 25. John chapter 14, verse 25, it says this, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, the background of this is that Jesus is going to the cross. This was spoken during the times of the Last Supper. And Jesus is going to the cross. There's a point of departure. The disciples will be without their master, their Lord, and they will have no one physically there to follow. Their leader will be put on trial and crucified the next day. And these were his last words at the Last Supper. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. It possibly means that he's going to leave them. And imagine you being one of the disciples. You have followed this man around for the last three years. You believed every word he has said. You have seen every miracle he has performed. And you are certain that there is hope for the nation of Israel because the Son of God is here and you have become a close follower. And now Jesus is saying that there will be trying times. There will be difficult times. He's going to depart. He's going to leave the group. And they must be thinking, who will lead the group now? What will become of this group? How are we going to carry on believing in God? Will the Jewish leaders and others view us as vulnerable and without our leader or our protector? It was an uncertain time for the disciples. Now the question is, why is this passage especially important in times of uncertainty? And how does the Holy Spirit, you know, being my advocate, come into play with all this? Let me set out the stage for everyone. We live in a modern world. And even though persecution may sound far-fetched, there are moments and challenges and trials that will come our way. I mean, if you hear in the news, you, you hear things about tension, about the inclination of a coming war, about COVID-19. And to add to that, we had a few weeks back uh, where we hear stories about Christians losing their jobs because they shared their faith on social media platform. To top it off, we have our own personal challenges and values to deal with. It is a very uncertain time ahead. Times are tough and getting tougher. And dealing with this alone is very challenging. So you and I can easily lose faith, lose hope, have sleepless nights, and really struggle to keep afloat. And it is in these moments that I believe that this passage that we read tells us how to live in times of uncertainty. There are two promises and one application. So the first promise is this. God will send a helper, the advocate. John chapter 14, verse 26, this, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The word but here indicates what is negative, turning to positive or vice versa. In the midst of an uncertain future for the disciples, Jesus says, I'm going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus had it all prepared. He knew his disciples were getting worried and anxious. And he said, no, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And I know we have covered this before. The Holy Spirit, the Helper, in his Greek meaning, means parakletos. Parakletos means to be called to one side, especially, or especially called to one's aid. Now, I would contest that the English translation for an advocate as compared to parakletos are quite different. The, first, the, the, the English meaning of advocate is um, found in three different you know, explanations here. A person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. 
A person who puts a case on someone else's behalf or to publicly recommend or support. Now, this works in a context of a courtroom or maybe you're advocating for a cause or policy or you're advocating for somebody in a workplace so that they get their promotion. Right? So, however, this doesn't work in a context in which Jesus spoke about Jesus was about to be crucified. There is no court case, there's no promotion. There's nothing to kind of put a case on behalf of someone. However, the function of an advocate is to come beside you to help you. Now that we can find similarities. And it is at this promise that Jesus says when he leaves, the Holy Spirit is called to your side at all times. He is with you. And when he is with you, he will do two things outlined here. The first is this. He says he will teach us all things. The word teach there literally means to teach. Didasco, didactic. Didactic teaching. I stand here, I teach, and you learn. The second one is he brings to our remembrance all that Jesus has said. So that Greek word there is hupo mimesco, which means to cause one to remember, to bring to remembrance, to recall to mind. Now these two tasks of the Holy Spirit is not only just to bring to remembrance, but when he teaches, he illuminates the mind. And it caused a deeper understanding of what Jesus has said. Let me give you an example. The Bible in John chapter 12 reminds us of this. Um, in this account, Jesus was entering Jerusalem triumphantly and people were rejoicing and proclaiming, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that come in the name of the Lord. Palm Sunday. Right? And if you were to read John chapter 12 verse 16, it goes on to say this, His disciples did not understand these things at first. When Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about Him and they had done these things to Him. This very clearly refers to the reminding work of the Holy Spirit. Another instance, when He drove out the people who set up marketplace in front of the synagogue, in front of the temple of God, and He drove them out and the disciples were there. And the Jews... You know, say, what sign can you show us to prove that you have authority to do all of this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And then in John chapter 2, verse 20 to 22, they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. You are going to raise it in three days? And then he writes there, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, again, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believe the scripture and the words that Jesus has spoken. They recall. It wasn't at that point that they, oh yeah, wow, the temple that destroyed, oh yeah, that was his body. No, it was much later. The book of John was written 50 to 70 years later after Jesus was glorified. And the Holy Spirit is teaching them today and the, yet that in those times and the Holy Spirit was also teaching those things to us today. Have you ever been in a situation where you're going through a challenging season? Or maybe it has been a tough few weeks or days and you recall a verse or scripture or something that the pastor has preached and you, you remember that and all of a sudden it lifts your spirit and that word, you hung on to it as an encouragement for that season. Have you felt that before? I have. And that is the Holy Spirit reminding you of all the things that Jesus has said. Everything. 
that he has spoken in his word. Pastor Wayne Cordero, who is a pastor in Hawaii, shared this account where he, um, was, where he had to run a leadership training to 22 Christians from the Hunan province. These 22 Christians took a 13-hour train ride to attend the leadership training held at a 700-square-foot hotel room. And out of that 22 Christians uh, present, 18 had been imprisoned for their faith. And then Wayne Cordero, before he started, before he starts the, 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 the session, he says, look, if we were to get caught, what would happen to me? And one of them replied, well, you will get deported in 24 hours and we will go to prison for three years. So after you know, that, he started his lesson. He says, you know what, uh, okay, let's all turn to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. So as he, you know, before he starts, he passed Bibles around. But he realized he only had 15 Bibles to pass around and seven went without. And as he start, started to recite that verse and opened the Bible and read 2 Peter chapter 1, at the corner of his eye, he saw a lady handing over her Bible to someone else who didn't. And he could actually hear her and reciting the very chapter, word for word. After it was done, there was a break. He went over to her and said, you recited the whole chapter. How is that possible? And she said, in prison, we have time. And he was befuddled because he was like, what, what are you saying? Don't they confiscate the Bibles? And she said, that while the Christian material is indeed confiscated, people smuggle in scriptures that are written on paper and hide it from prison guards. And she says this, that's why we memorize it as fast as we can because even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. For those years in prison, she's been memorizing and recalling and, the whole, and leaning on the Holy Spirit to just recall those scriptures to keep her going. That same Holy Spirit that is in her is in you this morning. And you will be recalling, the Holy Spirit will recall all these scriptures in your life in difficult times. When you need it the most, you may be driving down the freeway and crying from a, from a difficult situation. You may be feeling alone in the car. But I want to tell you that if you lean into the Holy Spirit and what He's saying, He's going to recall some things that Jesus has said. And He's going to ignite your spirit. He's going to encourage you. And this morning, I want to challenge you. If you have not read the Bible from cover to cover, please do so. It is the very deposit that the Holy Spirit can draw from. It is the very thing that you will be reminded of when you go through tough times because He takes what Jesus has said and brings it to you. You will notice that in your darkest moments, in your difficult moments, are moments of teaching. Are the moments where the greatest lessons are learned. Not lessons of wise you know, opinions or things or lessons where you go, like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, you know, takes time to heal this and that's fine, you know, it takes time. No, not, not that kind of lesson, but the lesson where you learn what that verse you've read before, you didn't understand maybe six months ago, 12 months ago, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brings it to your heart and it's so relevant to the current situation you're facing and you learn something. So if you have not read the Bible, from cover to cover, can I encourage you, maybe start putting a plan in place to read the Bible from cover to cover.
So that's the first promise. The second promise is this. He gives divine peace. Jesus then goes on to say, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. In times of uncertainty, challenges and chaos, you want peace, right? Everyone wants peace. The word peace here means shalom. If Jesus, if you were in Jesus' time, he would have spoken Aramaic, Aramaic and it would be shalom. Shalom, which is a greeting of blessedness, prosperity, health, and well-being. But at this point, think about it. If you were in Jesus' shoes, what peace could you possibly be giving? You're about to face crucifixion. You're about to be put on trial. What peace could possibly Jesus have that he says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives? What peace is he talking about? Think about it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. And when he prayed, his sweat turned to blood as it trickled down his face. He was under immense pressure. What peace! He prayed, Father, please let this cup pass from me. It is not my will, but, you know, if it's, if it's your will, let your will be done. He's not ready for it. There was no peace. He was troubled. So what peace are we possibly saying here? And Jesus is not telling his disciples that he's leaving them in a state of blessed euphoria. He's not granting them a condition of happiness, prosperity, and personal well-being. So what is this peace? What is this peace? Before we go there, I want to tell you there are two kinds of worldly peace. All right? The first kind of worldly peace is circumstantial peace. A mo- it is a moment or place that we imagine where it's an ideal place. It's free from war and chaos, where the economy is great and thriving and we have all our jobs. Um, it is temporal. It is elusive. There is no place like that, unfortunately. All right, some of you may go, no, 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 I'll be a farmer again or I'll do some sustainable living somewhere out remote in the, in the outbacks and maybe I'll do all that. But hey, you still got to think about your next meal. You still got to stress about that. Maybe you'll be hunting or gathering. I don't know what you'll be doing. But even farmers, when they sow seeds, they trust that the weather conditions will be right for harvest. They'll be worried, but it's circumstantial. It's all based on circumstances. The second kind of worldly peace is inner peace. Is this is where you're told, go to your happy place. Right? Go to your happy place in the midst of your circumstances. Guess what? When you come out of that happy place, what, did your problems disappear? No, it's still there. Your challenges are still there. And we talk about break, taking breaks, going on holidays, um, you know, and maybe, you know, getting, going somewhere and playing our computer games and then we come back to whatever that we do. It's still there. That's escapism. That's not inner peace. That's a temporal relief from uncertainty and challenges. I've got a picture up here, a funny picture of inner peace. Right? Come on, inner peace, I don't have all day. Really? Is that peace? It was said in a joke once, my therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So far today, I have finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake. I feel better already. And here's what a Hebrew scholar says about inner peace. 
Let's go to the next slide. Notice that Jesus gives this peace and leaves this peace with us. It is a gift left behind for us to enjoy. And I'll just underline a few things here. It is a present. And that present is an unbroken fellowship with God that will last forever. Peace begins with the gift of God's presence. Do you know what Jesus had when he says, my peace I give with you, my peace I live with you? You know what peace that is? That is the very peace that brought him to the cross. He knew that no matter what, no matter what happens, he has an unbroken, inseparable fellowship with God the Father. That brought him to the cross. That time when he stood, when he was hung on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He has such peace to say that. Because he knew there was an unbroken relationship with the Father. That same peace, Jesus says, I give to you. I live with you. This morning, I want to tell you that you have an unbroken and inseparable relationship with God. The abiding presence of God through the Holy Spirit is what Jesus has done on the cross, purchased on the cross, and He has given it to you. He has given it to every one of us. It is that same peace that will take us through the tough times, the challenging moments, the darkest months. Some of you remember this um, poem, One Night I Dreamed a Dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes of from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. And this really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome time of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And God whispered, my child, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever, especially during your trials and testing. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. It was then that I carried you. What kind of peace are you pursuing? Are you pursuing a circumstantial peace? Are you pursuing inner peace? Or is it that unbroken, inseparable relationship with God and the very truth that He is with you? How will you perceive your uncertain future? How will you deal with your challenges differently knowing that God is with you and that you are inseparable from Him? Romans 8 verse 38 says this, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Famous verse, but very applicable in times when it's challenging, in times when it's painful, in times when it's dark. I don't know what you're going through today, but this morning, I want to tell you, you have His peace. 
you have that unbroken inseparable relationship with God and that is all you need there are two promises and then one application and so now Jesus comes to the point of the application he says let not your heart be troubled let it not be afraid because Jesus has given these two great promises the first promise is to send the Holy Spirit as a helper the second promise is the gift of his peace he now spells out this application notice the word let let there is a permissive attitude to that application in the midst of challenges trials and persecution we do not permit our hearts to be troubled we do not permit it to be afraid now great lesson on resilience right we must be resilient it's a hot word today resilience in schools um, in management consulting in people development I, I, I teach this to my team as well resilience right building resilience so this, you know, um, three weeks ago when, and last week, just Gahing and, and James and the doctors um, actually came out with tables and fantastic tables, so I thought I'd better be credible as well. So I started to draw circles. All right, so I drew concentric circles on what building resilience is, right? So this is my circle. It's not colorful. I know I, I got told that it's not colorful uh, this morning in the first service, but that's okay, all right? I'll, I'll try my best, okay? Building resilience. We teach this, right? We look at what I can control right what I can control so what can you control in given the circumstance that you have the second thing we ask what can I influence or what I can influence all right may not have the right outcome but maybe I can influence it and then the last outer circle what I can't control or influence what I can't control or influence so we, we tell and we teach and we coach our guys to say hey look stay in the middle circle stay in the center circle what you can control and of course, if you can influence, influence as much as you can, right? If you can't, that's okay, all right? You just know that you've done all you can. We run this course on resilience. We talk about learning to be grateful for the little things every day, exercising, meditation to clear the mind, take breaks when necessary, being aware of this graph as well, or these um, circles as well. Is that what Jesus is saying here? To tell his disciples, look, build resilience. Let not your hearts be troubled, let it not be afraid. No, Jesus is not telling his disciples to be resilient. What he's saying is this, there is actually, because of the two promises that God is with you, the Holy Spirit is with you, he's going to teach you all things, he's going to cause you to remember everything that I've said to you, and my peace I live with you. Because of these two promises, there shouldn't be any big reason to let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. That's what he's saying. And he's not even saying you control your emotions. That's not what he's saying. If I can safely rephrase what Jesus is saying, he's saying this, you have every opportunity to face your storms in life with an unshakable faith and death-defying courage. That's what he's saying. Because of these two promises. There was a good Christian friend that told me this story in the midst of a job crisis uh, where he was about to lose his job and you know, being afraid of not being as young and employable anymore. He still appeared very calm. He still put in 110% of his work and his colleagues were intrigued by his calmness. His, you know, there's just a peace about him and 
So he, he had a think about, you know, and they started to ask him why. What happened? You know, how are you so calm? So this Christian brother had some time to think deeply about it. And as I was hearing his testimony, um, I waited in anticipation for that miracle formula, right? That magical formula. Maybe he has something that I don't know. Um, but this Christian brother then said to me, as long as I have God with me, I have everything and he will provide. As long as I have God with me. You don't know how important this simple statement is until you are in your darkest moments. It's only when you're in your darkest moments that these statements come alive. And so, and I thought about it, because God is not trying to tell us to build resilience, God is trying to tell us to build an unshakable faith and courage, I drew more circles. And this is how I believe the Holy Spirit, our advocate, reminds us and teaches us all things. We start off, and we should start off, most of us start off with this, I think I can. The outer circle, I think I can, I can control this. I've got plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, all the way to Z. A, B, C, D, E, F, Z, uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, sorry, not Z. Um, I've got all these laid out plans. I've got all these backup plans that's laid out in my life. But you know the saying, right? When it rains, pause. And so, what does it mean to build an unshakable faith and courage? It means we go through this process. We think we can. The illusion of control. We think we can control everything. Right? Think about your kids when they grow up. After a while, you have to relinquish control. Agreed? They have to live their own lives. And you think about that. We want to control everything. What are you controlling this morning? The Holy Spirit will lead you to the next point. And you find yourself hitting against a corner. And He'll lead you to this point where you say, I... No, I can't. I know I can't. It is the need to surrender. I know I can't do this anymore. I know I can't. And then the Holy Spirit takes you further and He teaches you this very important truth in your dark times. It says, God is with you and He can. You see, the Holy Spirit takes you from what you cannot control to your theological anchor. In your storms, you need to anchor on this very truth that God is with you. That un inseparable, unbroken fellowship with God is the very thing that gives you peace in your heart. It is the very thing that you anchor your life upon. Even though the storms of life may come, but you anchor on this truth. The key difference to the previous circles and this circle diagram is this. In building resilience for tough times, the first diagram shows that it is based on our limited capacity of what we can do and control. The anchor is you. 
in building an unshakable faith and courage for what is to come is based on an anchor that God is with you and that the truth that God can, God will, and God is. God is with you. I don't know what storms you're going through this morning. I may not have walked with you or hear your story, but I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is an advocate. He's a helper. And He is reminding you this morning, let's go back to the theological anchor that God is with you. You operate out of that, not out, out of what you can control. Out of the very truth of what Jesus has said, I will send my helper to be with you. He will teach you all things and cause you to remember everything that I've said. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives that I give unto you. Some of you are struggling financially. You may not say it. You may be alone in this. Some of you in your marriages, you just need a miracle to happen. You may not say it. You may not show it. But behind closed doors, things are happening. Some of you struggling with kids, especially teenage kids, and you don't know what to do. You're lost completely lost you don't know what to do anymore you wish you had a handle on them you try to control some of you have relationships with friends and all of a sudden they've just abandoned you because you have received Jesus Christ for some of you you are facing persecution not just from your friends but from your families and even at work so I don't, really don't know what you're going through right now. But if this is message is clear, then I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now to bring you back to the very fundamental truth that God is with you. You have an inseparable, unbroken relationship with Him. I want to be able to pray for some of you this morning. If you're going through some tough times, some truly challenging...